the industry as a whole was pushed probably five to seven years ahead um, of what it normally would have been from an adoption standpoint on technology uh, because of the pandemic. And that's something that, that you know is beneficial, believe it or not. Many people can't wait to return to life as it was before COVID-19. And many companies are longing to return to business as usual. Adopting new technology has been a sink or swim strategy to keep business afloat. But for some people in the title industry, it's a part of the long game to enhance the working environment of employees and the experiences of customers. I spoke to Eric Fontenot of Patent Title Company in Texas about how his title company has adjusted operations and leveraged technology to provide safer closing options, and how the crisis has him rethinking what the title company of the future looks like. I'm Amanda Farrell, and you're listening to Title Talks. How's it going? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Why don't you go ahead and just um, start by introducing yourself. Tell me a little bit about your role, your company, and your background in the title industry. Sure. So uh, my name is Eric Fontenot. I've been um, in the title business for 16 years. Uh, I joined the patent team in 2008 as a branch manager, an escrow officer. Uh, We are a a full service title agency, but um, at the time uh, that I joined on, uh, we were a a fee attorney office and had been for up until that point about seven years. And in 2018, we decided to make the transition. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Texas and the ways you can do title business in Texas, but uh, there are basically two ways. You can be an attorney and have a relationship with uh, an agent, or you can be an agent and responsible for the process uh, pretty much start to finish. So as a as a fee attorney, we were a very successful fee attorney office with offices all over the state, primarily in Austin, Houston, and San Antonio. With our growth and just changes to the industry, we decided that we felt that our best opportunity for success was to transition from that fee attorney model into a full-blown title agency. And uh, so we made that transition in 2019 and um, haven't looked back since. We've, uh, it was fun changing the tires on a moving vehicle, but we were uh, successful in doing so. And uh, here we are in 2020 with a whole new set of challenges. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I don't know Texas as well as Florida. I I started off working as a property analyst at PropLogix and then I moved into the marketing department. And so most of the research I was doing on properties and most of the interactions I had with title agents at that time and attorneys as well, because Florida has both the title agents, independent and also um, law firms that transact. And so it was mostly them that I was dealing with and mostly Florida based um, issues and processes. So I'm not as familiar with Texas. You, you mentioned some of those big challenges you've had moving from that one type of, of offering to the other. And what are some of the, the changes that you've seen in the industry overall, whether it be regional or national? Well, right now, um, you know, changes in the industry have been fast forwarded, I think, quite a bit. So there was a, a slow stepping towards adopting some new technologies, uh, primarily the RON, the, the, the remote online notary. And, and that was something that was simmering beneath the surface for uh, a couple of years. And some states were starting to adopt it. But as the pandemic hit, I would say that that's really been the biggest change that we've seen to the industry. It's not something that is... Uh, that happens in a vacuum or is specifically tied just to the title business. 
because it, it's not independent, you can't utilize it strictly without it crossing over into other markets or other industries, for instance, lending. It's mm-hmm. a very synergistic type of technology that has to be adopted across the spectrum. If you look at it in a vacuum, it's a great tool. And I think that's probably, the, it, it's the biggest opportunity to really change the way the business is done. But the, the big challenge with it is uh, having it adopted widespread, um, not only with title, but also on the, the lending side. Uh, because once the lenders adopt it and are comfortable with it and allow for e-signatures to take place and those to be just as valuable as a wet signature on a note, then you can have really remote closings take place once that security measure and that comfort level has to be backed up by the secondary market on these conventional deals where they're out selling these, this paper. And if you can't get the same dollar figure for it that you necessarily would a, uh, a traditional deal, uh, lenders are less inclined to accept them. And then it, that just makes the whole process much more, and the adoption much more slower moving. You know, some of the lenders still have to, to catch up to that and, and accept it. And the secondary market's got to accept it before it becomes a really a revolutionizing sort of change to the industry. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I hear that same issue. That's probably the biggest issue is lender adoption. And I've, I've read some statistics where a lot of the traditional institutions aren't really as keen to adopting it. But then you've got companies like Quicken Loans that seem to be yeah. the biggest proponents and the biggest users of RON specifically. So even though they make up, I think it's like 90, 95% of all RON remote closings, that's still not a huge pool to to pull from. So, and it seems like COVID has really helped push lender acceptance a little bit more. And I know Texas was one of the earlier adopters of RON. So was there much movement before COVID or has it pretty much just been a flood since then? There was, it was starting to gain traction. And, and so, you know, depending on the type of transactions they were, would allow for uh, the, the heavier usage of it. So, what, what we've seen was, again, it was something that was always there in, in the background. There was state acceptance of it. Uh, and Texas is a, is a unique animal in and of itself. They always want to put their own spin on things. And so they established a set of guidelines that were specific for remote online notaries, specific platforms, approval process, uh, and so on. And so that was already in place, uh, which was really helpful when the pandemic hit because uh, and then it allowed for folks who had already taken steps to become RON certified and approved to get moving a little bit quicker on deals that it would that would apply and, and be applicable in that situation. But what it also did was folks who had heard about it and were a little bit more slower moving to uh, get involved, they started jumping on board much more quickly. So from our standpoint, we were ashamedly so, uh, fell a little bit more into the latter category uh, where we knew about it and we had dove into a little bit, but because the the adoption by the lenders and the traditional business was really not that heavy, we hadn't made a really strong push. But as soon as we saw what the writing on the wall was uh, in regards to remote closings, uh, remote working in general, the social distancing guidelines, thankfully for our infrastructure, we were able to quickly get our team leads uh, approved and trained on, uh, on closing service platforms uh, so we could perform those type of closings. The amount that we actually got done it was really negligible in the in the grand scheme of things. I think our self-created uh, solutions to some of the pandemic uh, challenges were, were a little easier to to adopt, and 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 they complied more with traditional closings than the Rons did. But 
uh, utilizing a service like Pavaso and being RON certified with the state, we were able to complete some cash transactions and uh, even distance transactions that maybe we would not, we would not have been able to close uh, ahead of time. So uh, being able to move quickly, uh, the state of Texas being very aggressive about making changes to remote online notaries and, and just the adoption process and, and helping facilitate that because of the pandemic. I had a mortgage broker friend of mine uh, say that, you know, he thinks that the industry as a whole was pushed probably five to seven years ahead um, of what it normally would have been from an adoption standpoint on technology uh, because of the pandemic. And that's something that, that, you know, is beneficial, believe it or not, uh, when things are all said and done. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I definitely seen a lot more interest. People who were, like you've kind of mentioned, sort of just dragging their feet, waiting for more of a green light, go ahead from lenders, all of a sudden really started getting interested in how to adopt this technology and implement it into their process. Can you tell me a little bit about what that process was like for, yep. for your team, how you adopted Ron and maybe some other digital closing solutions? And maybe also you, you mentioned some other, other types of closings that you implemented in response sure. to COVID. No, 100%. So, you know, one of the big reasons that we made the transition from fee attorney over to agency was that we felt that the previous set of technology that we were using, particularly from a closing software standpoint, was prohibitive in being able to navigate the world as it is today. Uh, Just the communication factor, having things integrated and built into it to be able to quickly process. So we needed a change and we we recognized that. Uh, So first and foremost, we made the the change well in advance of any of the pandemic reactionary sorts of things, but we felt that we needed to make a transition from a technology standpoint to a much more forward thinking platform. And so we chose a a company called Qualia, uh, who was a relative newcomer on the market at the time. And we made that decision back in 2018 before we had even made the transition over to the agency that this was the the software we wanted to use. So we started the training on that and, and, and that software in and of itself uh, was a massive lifesaver because when the pandemic hit, it's, it's uh, functionality, um, the intuitive nature of the whole thing, uh, it's integrations allowed for our workers to be that much more effective remotely than they ever would have been with the previous software system that we were working on. So that, that by itself put us light years ahead of, of what I think the competition was, a lot of our competition was, in being able to work remotely. We were actually able to get our folks out of the office uh, very, very quickly. As a matter of fact, we just took a survey of all of our staff. Um, we have uh, 70 employees and we wanted to check and see how they thought we did during the COVID pandemic and, and where we stood. And uh, overwhelmingly, um, they were all impressed with our reaction time and our ability to to try and be as proactive as we possibly could be. So getting people home, working remotely, still providing solid training for areas that they needed to be trained in, uh, but keeping them up to speed from voice over IP systems to the Qualia uh, file processing system. So that was first and foremost that, that contributed to us being successful. But once people started really social distancing and not traveling anymore and there were the stay-at-home restrictions, we obviously, like, like so many did, like we are today, uh, you know, embraced Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and, and, and started really expanding upon our virtual interactions from our weekly meetings to our closings. All of these things were starting to be done and just pressed upon to work virtually as best we, uh, and interact virtually as best we possibly could. And then from there, we also knew that it was going to be critically important to 
continue business coming in and, and maybe even take a step back from a profitability standpoint. But the, the most important thing was to keep our staff, not to furlough people, not to lay people off. And it wasn't about knocking down the, the doors from a, a red and black perspective and, and, and turning in record months. It was what it was about was providing a stable service to our customers and a safe environment to our customers and our, and our employees so that they were able to continue to work and stay safe and, and keep things as status quo as you possibly could and face something that was not at all status quo and uh, really unprecedented. Uh, and so what we did was we, we absorbed the cost of all mobile notaries, uh, continued to accept deals, as many deals as we could possibly get our hands on. We encouraged our salespeople to you know, operate virtually like we're doing this now. And so we were really fortunate to be able to press the envelope and, and continue to do closings. And some of these things have really bled over. So there's always going to be a component of face-to-face -face interaction when it comes to closings. And we had folks who wanted to come into the offices and still sign. So we limited who that would be. Only essential signers could come into the, to the office. We would bring people in by way of Zoom or on Microsoft Teams. We, each one of the uh, closing, each one of our offices, several of the closing rooms are equipped with televisions and computers and, and webcams. So we would bring in the agents or the lenders by way of a Zoom meeting. We would share a screen with them. So half a screen would be the closing documents. Uh, we have sneeze guards up in all of our rooms. We have an escrow officer on one side, we have a you know, the buyer and seller on the other side, separated by a piece of plexiglass, a set of documents that nobody else had really touched. We project the documents up on the screen. We bring in the, the agents in by way of virtual platform and conduct the closing as best we possibly could. Uh, it was about being creative. There were you know lots of gimmicky sorts of things that were out there, drive-through closings and so on. We didn't really participate in that portion of it. Uh, nobody really was comfortable signing in the card and make a whole lot of sense or didn't make anything any safer. But what did make people feel more comfortable is if you would send a note, a notary to their home and they would close outside. That did make a difference. By no means do I personally think that we're done with this. I think that there's a, an absolute possibility that we have a high recurrence in the fall and that's a very scary proposition. But I think that we're well prepared for it. We know what we can do. We will start to prepare a little bit better as we get closer to that time uh, just to be safe. But even now, we're still trying to practice the guidelines as best we possibly can. Texas is unfortunately still kind of a hotbed for it. And while a lot of that has to do with testing numbers just becoming more prevalent, there, there are more people going to the hospital. There are more cases being uh, seen every single day. So we still have the plexiglass up. We still only want essential signers coming into our offices. We're still trying to promote the mobile notary as best we possibly can to promote social distancing. It's just, it's really changed the way we do things, but thankfully, there's enough technology out there and we were well positioned to be able to operate in a way that didn't affect the business that much. And we're really proud of the fact that no furloughs, no layoffs or anything uh, of the sort for our employees and like to keep it that way. That's great to hear. I'm glad to hear that uh, a lot of people, it seems like in the title industry are doing pretty well, that they haven't had to furlough too many yeah. employees. And, and I'm really happy to hear that. It's the case for you as well. Um, and so you, you haven't really returned back to business as usual it sounds like it sounds like you're still taking some precautions and trying to to spread awareness uh to your clients about the other options that are maybe a little bit safer i think a lot of industries are determining right now that maybe uh remote workers and working from home is is a very effective solution to 
huge office spaces. How that hit us directly is that our accounting department, we're, we're able to situate them consistently from a work from home position. And, and right now we don't have plans to bring them back in anytime soon. Same with our post-closing department, our open order department. They were all able to continue to function very at very, very high levels at home and working remotely. And again, that plays into the technology that we had and, and just our fantastic employees and just their adaptability, but also, you know, some way, even of our escrow teams, um, some of them have felt that they are more effective at home and they've proven to be so. And so because of that, we're encouraging them, Hey, it's fine. While the escrow teams, there is always going to be that component of face-to-face interaction. Hi, how are you, Mr. And Ms. Smith? Thank you for coming in. We're so excited that we can help you with this transaction. And that's a part of the experience that you you don't ever really want to lose, right? We don't want to lose it. We take a lot of pride in that and are really happy to do it. But there are components of the business that can be remoted out and and, and done from a a distance. And that just helps overall. And and maybe in the long term, it, it changes what our needs are from a closing situation that maybe it's a little smaller office space where you just have the more decked out closing rooms and, and we can have fewer people in the office actually handling the transactions, uh, regardless if it's a larger operation, like even our HQ uh, here in Houston, which we always had a relatively larger office space. Maybe it makes more sense to have a little bit smaller. Yeah, that's great. It, what, and what's the uh, feedback been like from your employees switching to work from home and, and working remotely? How do they feel about it? That, that's a really good question. And it, it's funny because you get to see people's personalities really come through. The ones that really appreciate the camaraderie and just the overall interaction on a consistent basis of their teammates. And then you see some of the introverts that come out too. They're like, yeah, no, I, I kind of dig on this. Uh, I'm going to stay at home and, and stay here in front of my computer and work. So it's, uh, you've had, you got a wide range of what makes sense for people. But overall, the, the feedback has been really good we've always prided ourselves on being very flexible and adaptive, whether that's for what a client needs from a closing perspective and just understanding what, what they need, whether it's a certain kind of experience or you know how they like their closing done or the, the type of communication that they want, whether it be phone calls or emails or chats or text messages or whatever. I think the same goes for, for our employees and, and you see that, you know, understanding that what they appreciate, what they really like. And some, you know, some of our teams really have really tight-knit groups and they, they like to be here and they appreciate the, the energy that uh, comes along with being in a, in a bullpen or in an office where, you know, it's, it's banter back and forth and there's just, you know, uh, the, the highs and lows of uh, getting deals closed. And then some people like to put their headphones on and just grind and, and, and not be interrupted by, by certain things. And so uh, we are very much focused on pouring back into our employees and, and putting our people first, knowing full well that if you put, pour into them and support them, they will in turn support your customers at a very, very high level. Yeah, I love that philosophy. And I've definitely seen how that's sort of manifested itself in our company as well. There's definitely the extroverts uh, who seem to be suffering a little bit because they don't have that that interaction like you were mentioning. But for myself, I'm more of an introvert and I am really more of a put your head down, get your work done kind of person. And so it's been great for me. And I've been like flourishing um, in this environment that I can control. But yeah, I love that philosophy of definitely focusing on your employees and what each individual needs and responding to that need because it does definitely improve their work overall. And that's, that's great for any company. Can you tell me a little bit about 
what the process was like when you were doing your first digital closing. What was that process like for, for you and for your company? So, you know, the, the digital solution toward closing has been something that we've kind of flirted with for a long time. You know, there, there were a lot of the business that we've done uh, over the past has been institutional. So we've had some larger clients who bought in droves and, you know, they were based out of state. And so we would make arrangements um, to be able to send documents or walk through documents with, with those folks by way of a virtual meeting. So we had a little bit of a leg up from that standpoint where the comfort level with some of the closing teams that they, they were accustomed to doing that sort of thing. So when, when we started making a legitimate push to do as many deals as we possibly could from a remote standpoint, it, it was a relatively smooth transaction. Most of them are hybrid. As I mentioned before, we, we did learn to be uh, very transparent. Initially when the pandemic hit and Ron started taking over and there was opportunity there, we were pushing the mobile notaries. We were trying to farm out as many Ron opportunities to mobile notaries, mobile notary companies as possible because that's what they did. That was their space and they were already the experts on it. We were already footing the bill. So it made more sense to try and keep the flow going as best we possibly could while outsourcing that port that that component of the, the deal um, but as they got busier and busier because everybody else had the same idea we started implementing the hybrid style closing uh, obviously the rons were relegated to the the few deals that were actually cash transactions or the the few customers that, um, lenders that would approve them so it, there were some challenges on the on the consumer side where uh, sometimes the uh, the technology wasn't up to snuff and I don't know how familiar you are we use Pavaso as the uh, the closing platform for the Rons so uh, it, it's it's very heavy duty uh, so transitioning and dragging and dropping documents from notary to to seller or from notary to buyer uh, can be a little bit cumbersome so it would take a little bit of time. It was a little bit uh, more daunting from that standpoint, but it still was effective in getting the deal done. I feel like our biggest success was back to what we're still doing today and is you know trying to have as contactless of a closing as we possibly can. In years past, we have closings that come in and we schedule them every 30 minutes. We have plenty of closers on staff and we'd have a, a lobby full of people as you would get towards the end of the month or uh, you know the end of a week. and uh, we've had to redirect from being just a, hey, yes, we'll get this done whatever time you want to. No, we really need to get this to a little bit uh, more strict schedule. So that way, when Mr. and Ms. Jones show up for a 1230 closing, they're the only one or maybe there's only one other closing in our office at a given time. We put them into a closing room. We turn on the TVs, get them piped in uh, with their agent or their lender. We'll also project the, the closing docs on the screen. That was really the most effective way of adapting technology toward safety because lots of people were still very adamant about coming into the closing and being a part of the closing from a face-to-face interactive standpoint and having that traditional experience. Outside of that, a lot of folks were very comfortable with the mobile notary. They didn't want to leave their house. And whenever there's a mobile notary situation, um, this was just something that we've always done is we've always made ourselves available either by phone or by a virtual uh, platform to connect with them through documents that they had any questions for. Do you find that there's any sort of demographic divides when it comes to the appeal of a remote closing? Have you noticed 
younger buyers, new buyers more willing to adopt it versus maybe older people or people who have already closed on a home previously? 100%. So I don't know if I can really draw a line because I think there are certain just tendencies across the board that differentiate. You've got season, you've got older folks who are seasoned buyers or sellers, investors, whomever. Um, they typically tend to be a little bit more tech savvy and, and are more willing to, and time is a very important thing for them. Uh, and likewise, millennials are just accustomed to doing everything online anyway. So those two segments of people we have found are very willing to operate remotely, either by way of mobile notary or virtual platform or anything to, to keep the day moving as quickly as possible without having to stop and go into a closing. And then you have your more traditional seller or buyer, first time buyers. And that's where I, I have a harder time drawing that line. So like uh, for instance, millennials, a first time home buyer is a first time home buyer is a first time home buyer. And they tend to want to have that experience and walk through and the agents want to help usher them through unless they are just really, really that busy and, and uh, that comfortable in, in a virtual world. By and by, um, we feel that we've been able to help kind of progress the conversation by, by having this sort of hybrid method um, and here because of the pandemic, keep wanting to keep people separate. Uh, so um, we think that's been helpful in all of it. Do you see yourself continuing to, to use that technology with the, you know, zooming in the lender, the agent or whoever it is, the other parties? Is that something you, you plan to continue to, to use throughout your workflows? Oh yeah, I, I, we think that that's definitely uh, the wave of the future. In fact, at the risk of putting out there a really good idea—I don't know if I want to even say it—but <laughs> we've, we've tossed it around uh, that you know doing things like this would actually eliminate the need for some of the brick and mortar locations and, and, and enable more expansive geographic closings, not only for for individuals, the, the consumer, the actual consumer, Mr. And Ms. Jones buying or selling the home, but also for agents. So maybe we don't have a location in in Galveston, right? But we've always pushed to be able to keep, keep the experience consistent as you possibly can, regardless of maybe who's sitting in front of them at that given moment in time. Uh, we know that if our closers are sitting here face-to-face -face on a Zoom closing, that we can give that same feel and comfort level to a Mr. and Ms. Jones who's selling a piece of property, regardless if it's a mobile notary there or myself actually sitting there and doing the notarization for them. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, definitely. It's more about creating that same environment and that same feeling with basically creating your brand as a title company, as an experience versus just a place that people go. Um, and you mentioned that you've used Havaso. Is there Are there any other RON tools that you've used specifically, or are there any other digital tools that you are implementing? You mentioned Zoom as well. Is there anything else, um, you know, without giving away any of your secrets or anything like no, that? I, I, I wish I really had some really good trade secrets that I could keep, you know, uh, tucked away that uh, separated us that much outside of just, you know, providing good experience. Honestly, outside of, you know, uh, the, the RON platforms, and, and so Pavasa was the one that we chose. We felt that that was the one that was uh, best suited for what we were doing and we were very comfortable with it. Zoom and Microsoft Teams have been great. Qualia, I mean, and, and you know, that, that is kind of a uh, letting the cat out of the bag. I know they appreciate it, but the, the, the closing software is fantastic. And so just their built-in integrations, their communication tools, 
um, their, their updates on milestones, um, and then the ease of use, uh, the customer experience on their side of it, the agent gets to see it, the buyers and sellers get to see it. It goes a really long way, uh, uh, lenders as well. Uh, but then from our standpoint, the, the escrow teams and, and our exam team, we've just gotten miles and miles and miles out of it where we've examined other closing softwares that just, we quite frankly didn't feel matched up. And we've been a part of some of the more archaic ones that just really made it very difficult to navigate and plod through and get these deals closed. And, and that's one thing that nobody ever wants to see the, the, the bottom side of what we have to do on the escrow side. Everybody wants to see the duck on the water. Nobody really cares about the, the frantic nature of the feet underneath. Um, but when you can have a little bit more peace with that gliding duck, uh, because you have a really solid system in place from a task oriented system to just great communications to great integrations between different service providers, it makes the transaction that much smoother. And then you take that uh, with their security platform that they have, you can move it out remotely very easily and quickly without too much fanfare. And that, that just keeps the, uh, I keep using the experience word, but that's what it is, the customer experience uh, consistent. And, and that's really what's important, especially you know here in Houston, our challenges in, in Florida too, right? Like you have a hurricane that hits, ooh, man, uh, you know, man, Houston may just shut down for, for a week. The rest of Texas doesn't stop. And so being able to move offline and get to another location quickly and, and being able to continue that experience um, as best you possibly can is, is huge for customers outside of your direct geographic area. Uh, one of the other technologies that we've implemented that, that we're very excited about having uh, is called Certified. There is a, a massive industry of cyber criminals out there who are constantly trying to steal people's money. It's, it's just, it's rampant uh, all over the world there. I mean, this is big time industry, cyber criminals, and they go after real estate agents. They go after title companies. They go after Mr. Ms. Jones. And so we adopted this, this technology that's out there called certified that, that protects, uh, they, they work with LexisNexis and they protect the, the customers outgoing uh, and incoming to the title company and outgoing uh, wires from the title company. And they insure it up to a million dollars per transaction. And we have them go through a couple of verification steps and authentication steps. And uh, we're really excited about using it. We think that it's going to make a big difference. And so that, that also is something that we, we hang our hat on and, and want to continue to be very safe about. That's great. I'm excited to hear that you're using Certified because I've actually had a few conversations with Tom Concrete of Certified. Yeah, and we actually hosted a webinar uh, together at Alta, and he's he's a great storyteller. He's a great presenter, really great guy, and that's exciting to hear that um, people in the industry have adopted the technology that he created. That was there was a clear need for that. Hundred percent. So, so tell me, what are some of the challenges that you see? coming either for your title company, the title industry as a whole, what do you think, um, what are the biggest challenges that still exist despite all these new technologies? Obviously COVID-19 has been a huge challenge, but other topics or issues that um, you think are important to the industry? I think that the title industry uh, is, is a really well-rooted industry. I think that as long as uh, the primary way uh, buyers and sellers uh, or uh, buyers obtain property is by way of mortgage. Uh, the lenders are going to want a policy and, uh, and, and somebody to insure that transaction. And because of that, I think that um, 
that we're relatively uh, well insulated from a longevity standpoint. I think that the the biggest challenges are always going to be just market conditions and and you know ebbs and flows. And so we are a business that uh, has always been relatively um, high demand on on from a, a people standpoint. You you gotta have a seasoned. Uh, professional, well-experienced escrow officers who are, are taking care of people's money and making sure that their properties you know, that they're buying have been well-examined, that there's nothing there that's going to, to affect them uh, moving forward in the long haul. And, and I think that, you know, the challenges that we face uh, with that is that finding those and keeping those really well-seasoned people and, and then passing down that information to the next generation of folks who are coming behind. Those are, I think, what, what makes the industry what it is. And I think that the massive push towards technology, I think that there was this, all this talk about, you know, blockchain and, you know, quick title searches and how fast can we provide uh, an insurance policy on a piece of property, trying to facilitate quicker and faster transactions, uh, which is just, the world that we live in. I think those things are a little bit juxtaposed. I think that there's a little bit of a challenge there. I think that finding that balance is always going to be where our biggest hurdles lie is that it takes time to do this job right. Uh, it takes time to be successful at it and be able to uh, compensate people fairly for what they do and their knowledge base and to be able to build solid businesses and companies that, that make good sense and provide good experiences. Um, because at the end of the day, it is, there, there's this massive customer service component that, that you know, gets uh, taken away when you try to, to chip away at every last dollar on it, every last, you know, uh, person that's needed in order to help keep the transaction running smoothly. Um, and, and so while I'm all for, you know, making it as efficient as possible, you know, there, the demands that get put on it to, to continue to revolutionize, I think uh, you have to lean on technology. And, and, and that's what we're trying to do. I think those are the places that you're able to make it feel better and uh, keep the experience what it is while trying to save people time, energy, and money. But I think that um, there's a, the challenge of discounting what the industry provides and the knowledge base that it takes in order to provide that, uh, that level of service. Finding that, that happy balance there is, is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up blockchain because we've talked a little bit about lender adoption of RON, whereas with blockchain, in my mind, that's going to be a lot more difficult because we've got also municipalities are another important party and county recorders. And so I can see that adoption taking even longer to do and even being more disjointed, unfortunately, just because of the way that our land record system is set up um, at the moment. And I know that uh, there's been some attempts, I think First American was uh, talking about doing some sort of um, back title blockchain platform or something for a while there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see in the next few years what that looks like. I, I think it'll take much, much longer um, to, to actually get there to where we're actually <laughs> using blockchain on a daily basis. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that was interesting how you, how you brought that specifically up. Um, well, I think, you know, to, to, to your point is that, you know, there's, there's a thought process behind it that you can look at this like a, just regular insurance um, and, and, and try to shift it from, uh, you know, 
So hazard insurance is, you know, this, you're, you're paying a premium up front for what potentially could happen in the future, right? And you do that every single year uh, and you're working one year at a time. In, in title, it's you're buying a policy and uh, paying for a title insurance policy for everything that possibly could have happened in the past and in hopes that nothing ever raises, uh, rears its ugly head from anything previously, right? But there's no, there's no re-up year after year after year. So three years in, four years in, you've written a, a, a modest policy on a modest, uh, it's a modest amount of money in, in conjunction with, you know, the amount of policy in comparison to say hazard insurance that you're re-upping every year. So $200,000, you spend $1,500 on a policy on a $200,000 piece of property. And then three years or four years down the road, something happens uh, that you missed or that got missed in the chain of title, uh, a challenge to the ownership or whatever it may be. And now there's a $200,000 liability on that policy that cost $2,000 or $1,500 or whatever it was. And that could sink you. If you're relying on blockchain, you have a couple of really large claims, you're done. And so I, there are some companies that are out there that are trying to push it towards re refis, particularly where, uh, you know, the, the chances are a little bit less because it's, you're only insuring the lender's policy as opposed to an owner's policy. And so you're able to, to kind of hedge what the actual claims could be, but they're using algorithms and, and, and basing it on the likelihood of a claim. But while that that's one way to do it, you know, you better make sure that you're pumping in a whole lot of refis and you're doing a whole lot of lender policies because if not, you know, it's a $500,000 claim. Um, you know, if you haven't done enough of those transactions, it can, it can sink you really quick and, and, and claims do arise. So, um, it's a challenge. Uh, it's, it's exciting. Uh, there's a possibility for it to, to take, to take hold. But like you said, I think it's a lot further off and, and it would require, would require a lot more uniformity uh, across the board uh, in order for it to, to span and become really pervasive. Mm -hmm, definitely. Is there any sort of advice you would give to other people in the industry who are looking to, you know, streamline their operations and basically do it what you did, or maybe people who are just struggling with the adoption of digital tools, what sort of advice would you give to them? Sure. Um, so I, I think that, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were just saying. I mean, most important thing here is, is people. If you want to streamline your operations and have a really successful title operation, uh, you need to have people who really understand their job. And you need to have really clear cut defined roles for them where they can really pour into those roles and stay focused on it. And they know what they're there to do. One of the big challenges in the title business is uh, constantly being pulled in so many different directions. And I think that's like that in this day and age for everything. I don't think that's a unique challenge for us, but speaking specifically to our industry, uh, escrow officers are, are constantly being pulled in a million different directions and they feel overwhelmed. So building streamlined processes where everyone in the team really knows what their job is, what their role is, having clear cut task driven, a task driven system is, is the component for success. Uh, you give people certain boundaries that they work within and they all of a sudden they know that they're doing a good job. And so a lot of the external influence that comes, especially in this business and, and the pressures that come in this business, they can tune that out uh, a little bit more. And, and be a little bit more proactive as opposed to being reactive. And, and that's, that's the biggest challenge here is that as long as you are constantly working on the next task in the deal to get that deal, that file to closing, as opposed to going back and doing something for, because somebody's asked you to do it, those are 
big separators and being successful and streamlining. And sometimes it hurts a little bit. Sometimes you got to take a couple steps back to get to that point. Um, and it takes some retooling, but having the right people in the right seats and those people really knowing what their jobs are very clearly and defined, um, it enables them to do more. And that really lends itself to a, a better work environment. And if you provide a good work environment, then people can find themselves being happy at work. And then that's really what I, I would suggest is, uh, clear defined roles and good processes. Mm -hmm. That's great. Is, is there anything else that you would like to add that anything else you'd like to share about what patent title is doing right now? Well, I mean, we just, we appreciate the opportunity to be on, uh, you know, we are a, uh, a big proponent of Texas and, um, we, we appreciate our, uh, uh just our state in general and each one of our, our, uh, individual markets. Um, we, we're really, uh, blessed to be, uh, where we are, um, you know, uh, we, we try to pour back into the community as much as we possibly can uh, in each one of our markets and, and continue to, to take good care of our, of our employees. And so if there are any escrow officers out there who watch this or uh, are part of it and are interested, we're always looking to, uh, to bring on new teams. And um, so that would be the biggest thing. If, uh, if you like what you heard, uh, we'd, be, we'd love to talk to you. you can come check us out on our website or Facebook pages. It's Patent Title Company, www.patenttitle.com. And um, yeah, that's, that's about it. I really just appreciate being on, Amanda. Well, thank you so much again, Eric. I really appreciate your time. You have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Eric for joining me today. Title Talks is produced by PropLogics and myself. Original music is by Cole Sando. Original graphics are by Jordan Norris. If you have an idea for an episode, please email us at title.talks at proplogics.com. That's P-R-O-P-L-O-G-I-X dot com. Until next time, happy closings. <laughs>